Good afternoon. No, it's still good morning. Good morning, everyone. As uh, Brother Steve was saying, yes, I've been here a long time, and I'm always reminded, and I always repeat it. It's just like that mafia movie. Every time I try to get out, Asbury just pulls me back in. <laughs> I was a student here. It started in 2006, graduated in 2009, came back in 2012, and just can't get away. But you didn't come here to hear my bio. It's not a personal story. This is about celebrating the Eucharist. I was so pleased when Dr. Freimeyer, when I got his email asking me to preach. Actually, he didn't ask me to preach. He just had my name on the list. He just said, October 20th, Gene Chambers. Okay. Anytime you get an opportunity to preach, teach, speak, share about the Lord, what do you say? You say yes. So we're here. So I was excited exceedingly happy that it was a communion Sunday because uh, this is a topic that's always been on my mind about celebrating the Eucharist. And if you notice, if any of you have Catholic friends, I'm not saying Holy Communion, although that's what it is. I'm saying celebrating the Eucharist because this should be a party, people. This should be a celebration. It comes to mind that song, celebrate good times. Come on. It, that's right, it should be a worship show. And if you're from the black community, for those of you who will worship with the black community, you know we take anything, any song from anywhere, and we'll turn it into a gospel song. <laughs> so I don't have a problem with that. So we're going to talk about celebrating the body and blood of Christ, and particularly God's body. The theme, because they asked me about it, who's Milka? Is it, she's not here? Okay, there she is. Hi. She sent me an email. What's your, what's your topic? What's your scripture? What's the theme? What are people supposed to take away? I was like, okay. Guess I better tell her. I was, I was terrified by the email not to respond. So what's the theme? Understanding the Eucharist, Holy Communion, as a means of grace. This is a wonderful invention, but if I can just make a, a, a suggestion at some point in time in the future, if we can move the screen over slightly or move the pulpit over slightly. I'm going to take the pulpit because I'm looking at this pole here in the middle, and I love looking at the cross of Jesus, but my binocular vision is split. This eye is really bad. This eye is worse, so I'm like, okay. <laughs> Things are sort of out of focus, so you have to forgive me as I make adjustments. <laughs> and then the takeaway of doing this more often and urging Jesus to remain with us, to stay with us. So we have the scripture. We read that already. We're not going to go through it again because we're going to uncrate it, uh, as we say uh, in my church. And just in case you are wondering, yes, I'm a counselor. I'm an ordained minister in the Church of God in Christ, Memphis, uh, out of Tennessee. I've uh, been serving and worshiping the Lord as long as I can remember. Uh, used to sound kind of strange telling my mother stuff. And what I now know about mental health, had my mother and family been such people, I would have been Baker acted and admitted to a psychiatric facility because I used to say all kinds of strange stuff. But God was talking to me. What are you supposed to do? So let's sort of set the context. Let's set the scene. We're at the point in the scripture where they've been walking with Jesus. Jesus is pretending that he's going to walk on, and they say, oh, no, no, stay. But what happened before that? 
What kind of, let me ask you this question. What kind of disciples are you? Are you folks Passover disciples? Y'all do understand that Passover is actually a celebratory event. Although when it's talked about in Christian circles, it can tend to have a heavy feel. Because what, what do we remember when we think of Passover? Last Supper. Don't that sound horrible? It's the end. Jesus is never going to eat again. It's his last meal. Sounds like the Green Mile. <laughs> this is it. And so we, we, we tend to get rather somber. We tend to get rather maudlin and pensive, and we start thinking, oh, you know, and Jesus told them. You imagine you're showing up at this event. Remember, this is a party. This is a celebration. They're celebrating in the 400 years of slavery in Egypt. They're now sitting there, and they're ready to, to break open the Seder, have remembrance, and then chow down. And Jesus says, by the way, I'm going to die tonight, and one of you are going to turn me in. That sort of brings the mood down just a bit. So we can understand why sometimes when we think of the Last Supper, it gets rather somber. But here we are. So I asked you, are you Passover Christians? Are you Passover disciples? Are you disciples who are sitting in the room ready to get excited? And then all of a sudden you're heavy. So now, for the rest of your life, you're walking around heavy. Man, that Judas. Look what he did. He messed it up for all of us. Or are you empty tomb disciples? Now, I'm talking to the men here. I'm so glad we have women in this room today. Men, wherever you are at this moment, I'm doing like the black church, turn your gaze toward a woman and pray and say, Lord, let me hear what she has to say. Do it. I want to hear it, gentlemen. Why? Because it was women who showed up at the empty tomb, heard the angels, ran away excited. The Lord is risen. And what happened? They ran into a man. <laughs> what? You must be crazy. It must be that time. Something's going on. Ain't no way in the world. Let me see for myself. Oop, he is gone. But what they're saying can't be true. Got to be crazy. So, are you Passover? Are you empty tomb doubters? Not quite sure. We talk about scientific method as being relatively new in human history. We want to test things. Scientific method began at the empty tomb. They're in there looking. They're examining the evidence. They got facts and proof in front of them. And still they say, nope, can't be true. So drop science, doesn't work. Unless, what I just said a second ago, listen to the women. They're telling you, not only with our own eyes, but we heard angels came and talked to us, two dudes, bright, glowing, said, hey, this is what happened. Who are you looking for? But can't be true. So here they are, now all maudlin and sad, going away sad. Heading out about seven miles away from Jerusalem, heading on their way to Emmaus. And who comes alongside? Jesus. Hey, fellas, what y'all talking about? Oh, please. Are you the only person 
the only visitor to Jerusalem who don't know what happened, the individual we believe was the Messiah, the Redeemer of Israel, crap, he was killed. And we got these crazy women telling us he got up. We asked, that ain't true. So we're sad. We're upset. And we're heading on our way to Emmaus. We're just leaving Jerusalem. We're heading on our way to Emmaus. I'm always intrigued by that. There are, there are, there are whole programs and institutes of the, the, the walk to Emmaus. I don't know, gentlemen. I don't want to necessarily be on a walk to Emmaus. I understand the end of the story, so that's how we get excited. But you've got to remember, in context, in situ, they didn't know the end. So they were walking away sad. So when I ask you, are you an Emmaus disciple, don't get so excited and say, yes, I am. Because remember, those two, Jesus said to them what? Foolish children. And as the images show, and the scriptures tell us, after all they, and, and again, these brothers were sharp. They knew everything that happened, and they laid it out. He was crucified, he died, he was buried. Jesus called them foolish. And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them all of the scriptures and the things concerning himself. Yet, still didn't get it, still didn't recognize him. But at least they were hospitable. They were caring. We got this knucklehead over here talking about Jesus, talking all this stuff about the scripture, but you don't really know because he's new to the town. You don't know what went on. But... We're not going to let him go. We're not going to leave him out on his own devices. Please, please, they urged him. Scripture says that they urged him strongly, saying, stay with us, for it's toward the evening, and the day is now far spent. Day is over. It's dark. You can be set upon by thieves and criminals and robbers. Don't go out there. Stay with us. But I like that the Scripture says, he acted as if he was going to keep on going. I don't believe that God goes around testing us because if God tests us, he knows we're going to fail. Why? Because it's us. <laughs> what, else, what other explanation do you need? But he gives us opportunities to demonstrate that at least some of the lessons are sinking in. So they said, hey, don't go, stay with us. This sort of gives an illusion. Remember, this is an illusion back to the Passover, the institution of communion. This is my, I'm not going to steal your thunder because I know you're going to do communion, you're going to say this, but this is my blood poured for you, spilled out for you. This is my body broken for you. So here he is again at table with these gentlemen. He picks up the bread, he blesses it, and he breaks it. And they're like, oh, my Lord, it's the Lord. And poof, he's gone. And they look to each other. What I find fascinating is Luke, y'all know Luke's the physician, right? We all heard that, so he's a very meticulous individual. 
I would have gave a few more verses to the fact that Jesus vanished. But that's me. I was like, whoa, what's that? Because there was no amazing Kreskin. There was no magic shows, you know. Poof, he's gone. What's that about? But that's me. But they looked at each other and they said, didn't our hearts burn with us, within us, when he was opening up the scripture? When was the last time your heart burned? Just reading the scripture. You come across some verse, some odd, some, some odd uh, pericope. Give you a biblical word for your MDF students. Some odd section of the scripture. And you're like, whoa, that's saying what? That's for me. That's mine. And you start burning on the inside and you get excited. Remember, we're celebrating the Eucharist. You get ready to party in the Lord. So you get excited. Next verse tells us, remember, this is evening. They're seven miles away. Now, I know when I tell you today that something is seven miles away, all of you pick up your phone, none of you bat an eye, because you know it's going to be about a two to three minute drive. It means nothing to you. You'll just run over there and pick up my sandwich from the store. But ladies and gentlemen, back in the day, at night, in the dark, seven miles away is a journey. But scriptures tell us at that moment, at that very hour, they got up and they started running back toward Jerusalem. When was the last time that you were so excited by what the Lord was doing in your life and revealing to you that you jumped up in the moment and took off running? Now, I'm not critiquing, because I do it too, the fact that I giggle, smile, and I thank the Lord. This is amazing. But then sometimes I do feel a little ashamed that I don't get up and jump up and just run and got to tell somebody, got to find a neighbor. So they jumped up. They ran with that sense of urgency, with that eagerness, and they, ran, and they were running fast because they found the 11 and their friends, as we read in the call and response. And they found their friends, and they told them what had happened. Now, if you look at my images up here, I got some women in the room. That's important to note. There's ladies in the room. But we know what the scripture says, what happened. They looked at those two gentlemen like, y'all crazy. That didn't happen. Gentlemen, I don't care where you go, what you do in your ministry, what you do in your work, where the Lord leads you. If the Lord has a woman in your life who's talking to you about what the Lord's trying to do, listen to the women. They have an end. All throughout the New Testament in particular, and in the Old Testament, but all throughout the New Testament, there's women saying stuff. I guess they couldn't listen because although the New Testament is kind of thin, when you put it up against the, the Old Testament, it's kind of thin, it would have been even thinner because we could have got there a whole lot sooner, but that's another story. <laughs> sort of like driving. You're going the wrong way. I know what I'm doing. Even with GPS, I still get lost. But the scriptures tell us then that suddenly Jesus was in their midst. 
and he revealed himself to them. But what I'm encouraging you to do is be urgent, be eager, be joyous, share that news. Be like the two gentlemen post breaking and blessing of the bread and go to running, looking for your 11, looking for your group of friends. And share with them the good news that Jesus really did actually literally rise from the grave. I've been around pastors all my life, and I'm always amazed at how they focus on the scripture that says when Jesus appeared to the women and they reached out for him, he said, touch me not, for I have not yet ascended to my father. And I said, well, isn't it more interesting to sort of focus on the fact that he showed up twice after the resurrection and ate food? Doesn't that make him a little more concrete? Doesn't that make it a little more tangible and approachable that our God said, hey, take a look. You think I'm a spirit? I ain't a ghost. And he ate some fish. He ate some bread. But again, that's another sermon. They didn't give me that much time. I know you got to get back to class here. But what's important about celebrating the Eucharist is where it says he picked up the bread, he blessed it, and he broke it, and their eyes were opened. And he takes important for Luke to say to us that when they found the 11 and they told them everything that happened on the road and how he was made known to them through the breaking of the bread. That's crucial. At the institution of Holy Communion, the establishment of the new covenant, Depending on your reading and your translation, go back to the original language, some earlier manuscripts. You all got Logos and all those other cool Bible softwares. I know you do. It's a requirement. I started out here as an MDiv student. Don't, let, don't be fooled. It says, Jesus says, as often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me. Now, I'm like, this, I'm, I'm, I'm like most of your churches. We're, we're, we're first and third. See, she know what I mean. Who else knows who who knows who else knows what it means when I say I'm a first and third? Raise your hand. Let's have some participation. It means that on the first Sunday and the third Sunday we celebrate communion. How crazy is that? Now I ain't gonna get into it because again that's another sermon and I got a million of them boiling up in me. But there is a there is a verse in First Corinthians. I, I'll just tell you now. And I won't ask you if you are. I'll just tell you not to be. Don't be like the first Corinthian disciples. we you eating off, getting off fat like me, eating everything, not waiting for anybody, people going hungry, and y'all just chowing down in the church. And Paul says, hey, that's why some of y'all dead and going to sleep, acting like knuckleheads. Don't be that kind. Make sure you share. Be like the Acts disciples where everybody has everything in common and they're sharing in their fellowship. Be that kind of Christian. But what's important to take away here is... He said, as often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me. So what the images show is, remember, this is post-Passover, post-crucifixion, post-resurrection. When he went into the house with them in Emmaus, they had a spread. These two gentlemen were somewhat gentlemen of means. They could, get, they could afford a meal because they didn't call ahead and make reservations. Why? They didn't have a cell phone. 
They just sort of showed up, invited him to stay. So even if they did call ahead, it was only two were expected, three showed up. So they had still had enough food. At least they had enough for bread. Bread was on the table. So as often as you do this, I'm going somewhere with this, trust me. So here we are. How are you approaching the table today? Remember, as I started out, I started singing out, celebrate. Let's everybody have a good time. Are you mauling? Are you pensive? I know in my tradition, growing up in the Church of God in Christ, I was terrified to take communion. Because if you take it and you haven't cleared your heart, God will kill you. So think about it. All right, well, I, I punched my little brother in the neck last night. I'm not taking communion. I'm, I'm in trouble. Let me sit down. And then they call y'all, Brother Gene, why you not coming up? I'm a sinner. <laughs> so how are you approaching the table? Are you pensive? Or are you excited? Are you feeling joy? Why? Because we're about to break the bread and have, re again, revealed to us that Christ is who he said he is, and he is with us, and he is alive and he is walking with us, through us, around us, above us, below us, taking us to where he wants us to be. Be excited. I see people more excited going to a kid's birthday party. And I'm talking about the adults. I ain't talking about the children. Of course, they're excited. It's cake. There's punch. But I see the, the adults get excited. Where you going? Little Johnny's friend's birthday party. There'll be cake. Be excited as you approach the table today. I've seen this. I know you have too. And so I'm putting you on the spot. Got to make a change. This is the blood of Christ that was shed for you. Blessed be the blood of Christ. This is the body that was broken for you. Blessed be the body of Christ. No, no. This is the blood that was shed for you. This is the body that was broken for you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Give me as much as you can share today. But again, don't be the fat Corinthians. But give me my portion. Be excited as often as you do this. So this, yes. But guess what? When you're about to sit down at Red Lobster and you're about to break open your Cheddar Bay biscuits, which I love, can't you tell? Pick up one. Lord, bless you and bless the chefs at Red Lobster for making Cheddar Bay biscuits. In your name, break it. Thank you. And pass it around to your family and friends. As often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me. Not only on first and third or second and fourth or first and fourth or whatever combination you got. Whenever there's bread. Bread is alluded to throughout the scriptures. There's the 5,000. There's the 4,000. What do you say? Y'all got any bread and fish? Got a couple. A little bit. Okay. Feed everybody. There's an importance. It's not just figurative, ladies and gentlemen. It's not just a, a, a simile for you to think, oh, but Jesus is buddy. No. It's a fact. Remember, he's still a stranger to the two at Emmaus. He's sitting there. The food comes. You know one of them had to be thinking, why are you putting his hands on the food? What are you doing? I know we welcomed him in and told him to stay, but dude, where your hands been? 
He reaches for it. They're like, okay, well, we'll let him go because he got it now. Too late. He blesses it. He breaks it. Boom. They can see. No, I can't. Put my glasses back on. They can see it's him. Poof, he's gone. So what I, what I want you to do, what's the takeaway? When you go home tonight, and I know nine, unless you want some crazy bread diet, anti-carbohydrate diet, that's nonsense. That's health risk. I'll send you a link if you want to. But when you go home tonight and your meal is on the table and you see your Wonder Bread or your, or your Publix White Mountain Bread or your wife's homemade dried out really kind of hard but you love her so you're going to eat it bread <laughs> or your own masculine attempt at trying to make bread but you don't know what it is. It's a doorstop piece of bread. Do the best you can with that piece of bread and all those pieces of bread. Pick them up. Just one. Bless it. Remember him, then and now. Break it. And if you buy yourself like me, eat both halves. That's why I'm fat. So remember, it's not only then, it's now. When you approach this table, wherever you go, freak your congregations out if you're a pastor. And if you're simply a congregation member, freak your pastor out. At the next first and third, second and fourth, or whatever you have, when they say, okay, we're going to have communion, I'm, you, you can start grabbing your stuff. I'm there. When they, start grab, when they, when they have the call for communion and in the, in, in, in the organist, when Dawn starts playing real softly, you got to change the tune now. And she starts playing real, real softly, and, and everybody starts filing to the aisle, waiting their turn to file in. Here's what I want you to do. When, when, you, when they get to your row, jump up. Hallelujah! Get me some bread. And again, if you're from my church, you're getting Wilton's grape juice. But hey, that's another sermon. Get me some body. Get me some blood. And run down the aisle. Act like you're having a party because you're at one. Celebrate what Jesus has done for us. God bless you, brothers and sisters.